0: Boom, we are live for the latest episode of the KFit Show. My name is Kaylin Anglos. I am a human performance expert and PhD candidate at the University of Victoria. I specialize in strength and conditioning uh, training, combat sports research, as well as high performance fitness testing. This is the KFIT Show. What we're all about is showing you and telling you all the proper ways to train in the gym to optimize performance in sport and in health. And that's what this is all about. So let's get started with this episode of the K fit show where i'm going to be talking all about the number one factor that i think is limiting your performance i'm going to tell you what it is how you can change it and how you can train for it and uh we'll go from there all right let's dive right on in three two one Yes, hello and welcome back to the K-Fit Show. Again, my name is Kalen Angloss. Thank you for tuning in. It is 11 a.m. on this uh, beautiful Monday morning. Monday morning's just flying away here. You never really know when these episodes are going to gonna come at you live, so just make sure you tune in to all the social media stuff and you'll find it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and watching here at home. Uh, I do appreciate your support and uh, everything that you, you've you given me throughout the years, and, and we're going to continue doing this, continue bringing it, so uh, here we we go. I can't believe it's already almost December. December twentieth, as I'm recording this. This will become live on December twenty. Or pardon me, November twenty-second. Today is November twentieth. Must be Monday. Um, yeah, and it's just it, it's just been crazy how much time is flying by. You know, for for the guys at UVic, the the term is almost over. This is like the last week of labs, uh, classes coming to a close. It's crazy. What, what what's happening? How how fast things are going. But uh, that's the way it goes. Pretty soon it's going to be Christmas, for Christ's sakes. It's crazy. For myself, I'm in the midst, well, pretty much done this past weekend moving. Moving places, moved locations. uh, Still on the west coast in Victoria. But uh, I forgot how stressful it is to move. I mean... I I had kind of planned it so I would have this new place throughout the month of November. Said okay, it's gonna be a nice, easy move from the old place to the new place. I have a month to do it. And you know, it's still been stressful. It didn't help at all. Stressful times, but it's okay. We I got everything moved into the new place and, and, and we're flying. So so that's all good. Uh, coming up pretty soon tomorrow, actually, I'm gonna be giving a talk at the University of Victoria on uh, exercise as medicine for diabetics. Gonna be talking about you know the insulin response response. what happens, what's the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetics, and how you can kind of train and how you should train differently for those two conditions, and just talking about what it is and and, and how that all comes together. So looking forward to that. That'll again be tomorrow, November 21st at the University of Victoria, so that'll be good. In the lab this week, we are looking at red blood cells. Last week, we looked at white blood cells and looking at the immune function and how we can increase our white blood cells. This week, we're looking at red blood cells, and as we know, red blood cells are ...are what bring you oxygen. They send oxygen to the muscle throughout your body, and among other things, as well as clotting your blood and all that kind of thing. So we're, we're doing that in the lab this week at UVic. We're, we're actually taking blood from a finger sample putting it into what's called a centrifuge, into a little vial, and then putting it into a centrifuge, spinning that thing around, that baby around, so it breaks up your red blood cells and your white blood cells, and then looking at uh, how much red blood cells you have in relation to your plasma, and we'll also be looking at hemoglobin, so hemoglobin is the molecule that carries oxygen in your blood, so we'll be looking at the hemoglobin levels, and uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff in the lab this week. I'll bring you a lot of that stuff here on the social media. But today, today what I really wanted to dive into, like I said before, is the number one factor that is limiting your performance in sport or in exercise in any type of training, and that's called the lactate threshold. The lactate threshold, or sometimes called the lactic threshold, sometimes called the anaerobic threshold. A couple different names uh, in the literature that comes up for this. But basically, what we're looking at is the point at which lactic acid accumulates in your body more than it can be cleared? So we've talked about it before. Your body uh, produces lactic acid during anaerobic exercise. I'll kind of show you that here in a second. Talk about it. Accumulates lactic acid, but you're also clearing it out as you keep the as you keep the blood flow going through the muscles. You're clearing that lactic acid out and bringing it to the rest of the body, but Uh, there is a point of exercise intensity as it's getting harder and harder where that lactic acid is not going to be able to be cleared out. And that's called the lactate threshold. So let me just kind of draw you uh, what that is. So we know, first of all, the big question, of course, is where does lactic come from? So it's during anaerobic exercise. So anaerobic, we've talked about it, is without oxygen, right? No oxygen. So this is a process called glycolysis, anaerobic glycolysis. Go check out a couple of the other shows where we talked about the energy systems. But basically, what we have is we have a carbohydrate, which we eat. It breaks down into glucose. You use that glucose as energy in, in the process of glycolysis. It's one of your energy systems. Okay, so we'll just put here carbohydrates. Let me just write this. Carbohydrates breaks down into, uh, into glycolysis. It goes through glycolysis glycolysis. And the end product of glycolysis is what's called pyruvate. Pyruvate is just a molecule that gets produced after this glycolysis process. So carbohydrates go into glycolysis, breaks down into pyruvate. From there, this pyruvate can now turn in to lactic acid. And it does. It does. Especially when you're working at high intensities, when there's not enough oxygen present. That's when this pyruvate is really going to turn in to lactic acid uh, the enzyme that catalyzes that is LDH, lactate dehydrogenase. Not super important, but I'll put that there. But this is where the lactic acid comes from. So again, it's high-intensity exercise where there's not a lot of oxygen present. So if there is oxygen present, so if you're you know going for a run, if you're doing your active recovery, this pyruvate will actually not so much turn into lactic acid, but it'll actually drop into your aerobic energy systems to produce more energy, to produce more ATP. But when you're working at high intensities, you're going to start accumulating This lactic acid. And, you know, I've talked about it before. There's kind of this notion that the lactic acid is the bad part, right? That's what kind of limits your performance. It gives you that muscle soreness. It's actually not so much the lactic acid itself that limits your performance. It's this process of turning pyruvate into lactic acid that is actually going to give you a hydrogen ion. So uh, there's a couple other things present here, but just know that this process is going to give you a hydrogen ion this hydrogen ion is actually what affects your performance and gives you that muscle soreness uh the hydrogen ion will drop your your ph in your blood and that's what's going to limit your performance not the lactic acid if we're working properly and we're training properly doing our active recovery doing all the smart stuff we're supposed to do we can actually take this lactic acid send it to the liver where it can actually then be converted back into carbohydrates through a process called gluconeogenesis. So we can take this lactic acid and actually use it for fuel. We can bring it back up to the top of this process, use it as carbohydrates and and keep, keep going, keep getting energy and keep doing our exercise. So lactic acid is not the bad thing, but this is how it happens, right? Carbohydrates, like I said, goes through glycolysis and product pyruvate turns into lactic acid. When we're training, let me just do this over here when we're training this is a nice little figure that I'm gonna draw for you guys exercise intensity often goes up and up and up you know it gets harder and harder and harder so we have our point here we're exercising we start exercising we start getting a little bit harder it gets a little bit more intense a little bit more intense. a little bit more intense and at some point we're gonna well level off in steady state or we're gonna keep going to our to our VO2 max but some point along that line there's gonna be a point where lactic acid can no longer be cleared out of the the muscle and it's going to start to accumulate. That is called the lactate threshold. So the point at which lactate can no longer be accumulated as fast as it's being uh, produced in your body. So it makes sense that if we can take this point, put it higher or later on in our exercise... We're going to be able to exercise for longer. We're going to be able to do it longer. We're going to be able to go harder for longer, faster, uh, and just be able to perform overall better. So that's why I kind of say, you know, it's one of the things that really limits your performance because it is what's kind of holding you back is this lactate threshold. If we can get this point higher, you're going to be able to perform better, like I said. So this usually happens this lactate uh, accumulation, the lactate threshold, around 85% of your heart rate max. So where your maximum heart rate, 85%, so whatever that is. Um, So uh, around there. So if we can get this point later, say 90% of our heart rate max, somewhere around there, then you're going to be able to perform up to that 90%. So how do we do this? It's called lactate training. It's one of the, the most important things that I think... Everybody, every athlete who's an anaerobic athlete absolutely should be doing it. And anybody who just wants to perform better in the gym as well, because remember, a lot of the things that you're doing in the gym, whether you're just working out uh, or whether you're training for a specific reason, are anaerobic, right? They are anaerobic. You're, you're lifting weights, you're doing box jumps or you whatever kind of stuff you're doing. Those are anaerobic processes. Those are anaerobic exercises. So it directly relates to this lactate threshold because again, this is an anaerobic process. So again, without oxygen. So lactate training, how do we do that? How do we get this point to be higher, get this point to be later on in our exercise so that we can perform better? Well, you want to obviously, if we know this point happens at about 85% of your heart rate max, then we know that uh, we wanna train above that level. We wanna be training somewhere between 85 and 90% of your heart rate max to be able to really get that point up. Now, of course, you'll probably be saying, well, I can't train at 95% of my heart rate max for an extended period of time. You know, I can't maintain that. Nobody can, of course. But the idea is to maintain it for as long as you can. So a great way to do this is through interval training, interval training. So, you know, there's a bunch of different interval trainings you can do. You can do your fartlek training. You can do, uh, you know, high-intensity interval training, all different types of interval training. But one that I really recommend to get this up because, you know, usually it takes to get to 85 95 percent 30 maybe to 40 seconds Set yourself up on a treadmill or or some kind of uh, device where you can get your heart rate up quite quickly and it's quite intense. So what I like to do is put a treadmill up to say 10, 12 degree incline and then you're just going to sprint on there almost as hard as you can for about 30 to 40 seconds and then you're going to step off. You're going to let yourself recover for maybe 20 seconds so we can say it's about a 2 to 1 work to rest ratio, right? Work for 40 seconds, rest for 20. So you're on there, you're running as fast as you can trying to maintain for 40 seconds, then you step off for 20 seconds and rest. Then you step back on, run for 40, step off and rest. And what this is gonna do is you're gonna accumulate lactic acid for sure. You're gonna be sore, but eventually if you keep doing this and you keep increasing the intensity, so keep putting the the treadmill up or keep going for longer, you know, instead of 40 seconds, maybe push it to 50 seconds. Over time, you can condition yourself so your body isn't going to start to accumulate that lactic acid until later on in your performance or later on in your training, which then, of course, relates to your performance when you're actually out there. So that's a great way to do it, interval training. Uh, another good way to do it is is doing interval training where it's like a slow moving, you know, like running, jogging for 20 seconds and then sprint for 40 seconds and then jog for 20 seconds, sprint for 40 seconds. So it's the same kind of two to one work to rest ratio, but it's, it's maintained with some uh, light moderate intensity, I should say, running in between. So that's kind of something that you can think about to, to bring this back up, during this point later on to help improve your performance. Uh, again, I think it's something everybody should be doing. Another thing that really relates to all of this. Now remember, this these are anaerobic processes without oxygen, right? We've said that before. They happen very quickly, but we can't maintain it for longer. Through this type of training, we're trying to get it so that we can maintain it for longer. But we have to remember that the aerobic energy system is just as important, especially for recovery, than the anaerobic exercises. You know, even if you're predominantly an anaerobic athlete or somebody who only does anaerobic performance, you might think, well, why do I need to train the aerobic energy system? I'm an anaerobic person. I only lift weights or I only do sprints or I only perform anaerobically. Well, we know that the more conditions your aerobic energy system is the more you're going to be able to recover and that's one of the big things when you're doing like these interval trainings is when you're going at high intensities you know 85 95% of your heart rate max for an, for 40 seconds you need to recover as best as you can in those 20 second rest intervals so the more conditioned you are in your aerobic uh, energy system the better you're going to be able to recover in those rest periods and that's just that's just you know using better oxygen delivery, using more blood flow, keeping all that stuff going. uh, That's going to help relate to this as well. So don't forget about the aerobic energy system as well. So my suggestion, if you're in a period of time, in a period of your training, where you're trying to increase your lactate threshold, lactate training, you're going to want to do interval training two, maybe three times a week, like a, like I just said, and then also put in there one or two aerobic conditioning uh, days as well. Go for a run, go for a swim, whatever it is, do something that relates to your sport or your performance. But you're going to want to do that as well. So you're going to want to work those conversely, as well as as when you're doing you know all your resistance training and whatever else that you're doing in there as well. So that's my recommendation for lactate training. That's kind of how it all works. Hopefully that that kind of makes sense. Uh, but basically again, all we 're trying to do is get that lactate threshold, the point of which lactate can can accumulate uh, quicker than it can be cleared out. We want to get that point higher so that we can keep clearing up because like I showed before, if we can keep clearing out that lactic acid, especially later on in a performance, we're going to be able to come back and use that lactic acid, turn it into carbohydrates and use it as that quick fuel again. So uh, it's great. That's that's kind of how it works and that's what you should be doing. So there you go. That's my uh, little bit for this week talking about the lactate threshold and how it relates to performance. Use it. If you have any questions, let me know. All right let's dive into this week's Sensei Says. Sensei Says, don't forget to train unilaterally. What does that mean? Unilaterally when we talk about training, when we talk about uh, exercise and, and, and resistance training, weight training, we look at bilateral exercises and unilateral exercises. So bilateral exercises are things that are done on both legs or two legs or two arms, you know, whatever. If you're doing a bench press, that's a bilateral. If you're doing a squat, both legs on the ground, that's a, that's a bilateral as well. Unilateral is doing things one-legged or one-armed or whatever, one limit at a time. Now it's important to do this because while your while your both limbs work together, your left and your right to do things, oftentimes one is going to be weaker than the other, but also oftentimes you're going to rely more on one than the other. Um, so you need to do some unilateral training as well. You need to do training of just one leg and just one arm simply by doing you know, uh, what we call pistol squats or one-legged squats or, or one-arm dumbbell raises, that kind of thing. This is going to not only uh, help eliminate your your imbalances. Everybody's got that one weak side, but unilateral one arm and one leg stuff is going to try and eliminate those weak sides, but it's also going to help you perform in your bilateral, in your your double leg. And this is something that's called cross education. There's been a lot of talk about cross education, a lot of research coming out. I know Justin Andrushko over at the University of Saskatchewan just did a presentation at CSEP on this. Shout out to Justin But uh, cross-training is basically when you train one limb, your left or your right, arm or leg, whether you don't train the other one at all, that untrained limb is actually going to have strength gains even if you don't train it, which is kind of fascinating to me if you think about it. But uh, basically what's going on there is your brain, your central nervous system sends messages to your muscle to contract. So when you're just using one arm or one leg or one side, unilateral exercises, your brain is sending signals to that one side. But it's also creating that same signal to the other side, even though you're not using that other side. So again, even if you're not training that other side, it's going to get stronger based off of that signal that's going to that muscle. Now, this is also important for people who become injured. A lot of injuries happen in high-performance sport, um, and and often it's, it's where one of your limbs is hindered. You won't be able to use one leg. You won't be able to use one arm. Well, you can still train the uninjured or undamaged limb, and that's going to help increase the strength in your other limb as well, your, your injured limb, even though you're not training it. So that's why it's also important to do unilateral exercises as well and not just bilateral exercises. So make sure you're doing it. My recommendation especially if you want to fix your imbalances, is go from a bilateral or a two-leg, say squat. Let's just use squat as an example. Go from a two-leg squat, bilateral squat. Do whatever, your 8-10 reps and you know, 70 to 85% of your one-rep max. And then as soon as you're done that, go and do some one-leg squats, some pistol squats. If you can, of course, it takes some technique, Um, but do that. Do one-legged after you do your your two-legged or your bilateral exercises and start with your weak side. So go two double-leg unilateral, uh, pardon me, bilateral stuff, two-leg squats, and then go into a one-leg squat on your weak side first. So for most people, your left side, most people are right-handed. Your left side, do some squats on that side then do your right side and then go back and do your 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 bilateral again your two legs. So just kind of thinking about that. That's how in the gym and in, in the field we we eliminate those imbalances or we get rid of those weak sides. So think about that. Do some unilateral stuff as well as your bilateral stuff exercises. There we go. That's what I have for this week's sensei says all right um, let's get into a little bit of ask k fit so this week i had a really good question come my way from emily k emily k wanted to know what fat loss supplements works and which do you recommend fat loss supplements emily good question um let me get this pretty straight on fat loss supplements you, there is no magic pill. There's no magic pill. There's no magic supplement. There's no magic formula that is going to help you overcome your weight loss or, or, or get weight loss if that's what you're looking to do. Um, It's really all about calories in and calories out when it comes to weight loss. Nutrition obviously plays a factor. You need to have clean eating. You need to have proper foods that your body can actually digest that it's used to. But it's really all about calories in and calories out. So when it comes to fat loss supplements or fat loss whatever, I don't recommend any of them. I don't think you need them. You don't need any of that stuff. You just need to get into the gym. You need to work hard and you need to just kind of get through, you know, putting out as much calories as you can and less than you're putting in. So that's kind of what you need to do. Don't think so much about, you know, people get carried away sometimes with all these fat loss supplements that come their way and you know everybody's looking for that magic pill or whatever and a lot of the times these people that promote these things are also trying to sell them as well right they're trying to get in with the company to sell their supplements so they can get theirs for free and all this kind of stuff that's a different story but keep in mind there's often an agenda behind these things my main thing is if you don't know what it is if it's got some roots or some kind of stuff from another country that you don't really know exactly exactly what it is, don't use it. It probably doesn't work. It's probably not beneficial. There's probably and often is no research to support to support it really. And when we look at the research for fat loss supplements, there's really not much out there that supports supplements as a good way for fat loss. Um, you know, there's just not. It's all about hard work. It's all about persistence. It's all about being patient. That's the big one. Be patient patient. It'll come, it'll happen, but you have to work hard. You have to have more calories out than you have calories in, and you have to be careful with what you're putting into your body in terms of your nutrition. It's got to be clean, it's got to be natural, and your body has to be able to digest it. Okay, so when it comes to what fat loss supplements work, which do I recommend? I don't think any of them work. I don't recommend any of them. I think just get your ass in the gym and work hard. There it is. All right. Well, thank you for that question, Emily. And again, if you guys have any questions for me that you want to bring my way, just uh, send them my way, kaylinangloss at gmail.com. You can also send them to me on... um uh, the the k show, or the, pardon me, the k conditioning by Kaylin Angloss, the Facebook page. I do appreciate uh, all the questions you guys have. This is really turning into a conversation for me, which is good because that's what I wanted. I wanted to make this a conversation where you guys ask questions. I help you learn and teach you what the proper way to do things is. And we can actually talk about how uh, we can optimize our health and our performance. That's what we're all about here on the KFit fit show. Uh, okay, so that just about wraps up this episode here. Couple busy couple weeks coming in, but I will get these episodes out to you guys. You're never gonna know, I don't think, when I'm gonna when I'm gonna put out these these live episodes. The episodes will be available for download Wednesday mornings. That's when I'll make them available on iTunes as well as on Google Play. But you'll never really know when I'm gonna do these Facebook live things and the Instagram lives, all that kind of stuff. Thanks everybody for tuning in. But uh, I'm gonna try and lock down a time. Right now, schedule's in the middle of changing a little bit with with the teaching at Uvic coming to to and. End and then it'll be changing a little bit again in January. Uh, And on that note, too, for, for everybody who's been asking. In January, if you're at the University of Victoria, I will be teaching uh, the next level of, of the physiology. I'll be still be in the physiology lab teaching systemic physiology this year. So we'll be looking at all kinds of stuff. We'll be doing a lot of EMG stuff, looking at your muscles and, and how much electrical impulse your muscles give and that kind of stuff. But we'll talk about that as we get there. All right, guys, that, uh, that wraps up this episode of the K-Fit Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you have any questions, any comments, concerns, send them my way. And... Uh, uh, yeah, let's talk about all this kind of stuff and how we can optimize your performance in sport and health. I do appreciate you guys listening in and uh, asking your questions. All right, that's it. I'm done talking. We're good. Thank you. My name is Kalen Anglos, and we will talk to you guys next week.